hustle culture is, it's a double-edged sword. The framing there of like time is money makes people think that like, oh shoot, if I'm not earning money with my time, then I'm squandering it. I'm wasting it. I'm like frittering away my precious asset here. And for what? For nothing. It's not necessarily about every moment it has to be productive and making money, but it's the choices of how you spend the time. Is it me sitting here scrolling through my phone? That might not be a good use of time, but it's definitely not productive and making money, but it's also not enriching my life. Welcome to the Rad Money Podcast. I'm Dylan Pollock. And I'm Rebecca Brooks. And, and we're, we're Rad, Rad Coaches. Coaches. And we help purpose-driven people eliminate financial stress and maximize their income so they can focus on the more important things in life like spending more time with their friends and family, giving generously, and living a life full of purpose. Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. We're here today with Ben Miller from Chronify. How are you doing today, Ben? I am doing great. Better now that I'm with you guys. Awesome. So we're so excited to have you here. We're super stoked to dig into the topic of the day, the concepts of time is money and money is time which is very much in line with what you're working on, your project at Chronify. Um, can we take just a second to tell us a little bit about that? Just one minute, what's your, what's your elevator pitch? Sure, yeah, Chronify, it's, it's basically a software platform that helps people simplify their finances by understanding them in terms of time. And so instead of looking at you know, complex, nitty gritty kind of numbers that make people's eyes glaze over, you know, net worth, expenses, all that type of stuff, we try to distill it down to its essentials. So take the entire constellation of data and tell you, okay, how much time can I afford to live the way that I'm living? Uh, how long until I can retire? How long until I can take a pay cut to do the work that's aligned with my values? Basically, it's all about time. That's awesome. And why we love that so much is it's, it's just so in line with what we've done and how we viewed our finances kind of our entire journey. It was always about how can I buy back my own time? How can I buy my freedom from a job that is making me miserable or, you know, just so that I can go do the outdoor things that I want to do and travel the way that I want to travel? So we just absolutely love what you're doing with Chronify. And like I said, I, we felt like you were just the perfect person to talk with us a little bit about time is money in terms of how we end up using both, how we end up managing our time and our money. I think what's challenging, though, for a lot of people is that that saying for the most part, it pushes like hyper productivity and super efficiency. And so that's really what I think we're kind of breaking apart here. Sure, time is money, but I think the healthier way to look at it is money is time. But I know what I see in my work a lot is that most people, again, they don't think like we do in terms of money is time. They're pushed with that narrative of don't waste your time because you could be earning money. I think there's at first you got to put the, the time effort in to earn money. You go to work and all the effort that you put forward, you're trading time for money, essentially. But then it's about taking that money that you've earned to buy back your time in the future or even in the present moment. I think Dylan's exactly right. Like I think ultimately money is just a vehicle for people to save their time from one moment to another, you know, because ultimately savings at the end of the day are really just deferred consumption. Like otherwise they're useless. And so mm -hmm. that's a very convenient vehicle if people use it the right way for, you know, taking some time of today and socking it away for the future and, and you know, betting on the fact that there's going to be a future that's worth saving that time for. I like that point a lot, thinking about there's a future worth saving for. Yeah, I feel like it kind of hits on what we talked about in one of our, our last episodes about visualizing like your future self, too, and just being able to like understand that it 
that person is real. I mean, we're not guaranteed anything, but all things held equal, there will be a tomorrow to save for. And like, it's up to you, the choices that you make now to make sure that that person has their needs met, much less gets to enjoy that time. I think it's, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's funny the amount of baggage that people bring to this type of topic from the standpoint that a lot of people think that, for example, saving is like a symptom of a scarcity mindset is like this, like, oh, you can't have everything. And, you know, and so you got to deprive yourself. You got to like sock away this thing for who knows what. But I think really properly conceptualized saving is, you know, it stems from an abundance mindset. It stems from this idea that there is a future worth saving for, whereas the opposite would be you know, a scarcity mentality would be you'd, you'd save nothing at all because you'd say like, ah, screw it. The future's no good to me anyways. I might as well blow it all. Yeah, absolutely. That's why people who struggle to conceptualize the future really struggle with that in particular. But yeah, so saving is obviously super helpful and buying that back that time. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts in terms of the whole time is money concept and how that perpetuates hustle culture. And how we see that either in your journeys as entrepreneurs, but also just in the workplace in general and throughout society. I think um, hustle culture is it's a double edged sword. There's no secrets about that. But the framing there of like time is money makes people think that like, oh, shoot, if I'm not earning money with my time, then I'm squandering it. I'm wasting it. I'm like frittering away my precious asset here. And for what? For nothing. And the reality is, I think it's exactly backwards. And so that's why I love that at the top of the at the top of the show, you mentioned like, and just as importantly, you know, money is time because it's back to what Dylan said, back to this idea of like, it's a swap. There's two transactions happening here. You're turning time today into money so that you can carry that money and then later on turn that money into time. And so often people miss that second leg of the transaction where people are actually doing what's important and, and cashing out either for themselves or for their you know, beneficiaries or for somebody. Ultimately, if that money doesn't get spent on somebody, it's useless. There, there's no point in you know, Scrooge McDucking your way to a fortune. I agree. And to piggyback right off of what you said when you were talking about all my time has to be productive. You know, I think about there's a great post that someone had recently about how they they were going to Instacart all their food to them because, you know, they're they're worth $100 an hour and Instacart only costs them a small fraction of time. And so all they're doing is making every waking hour as productive as possible. I feel like that's also all you're doing is working and you're taking every convenient route in life. You are probably going to burn yourself out extremely quickly. And then how much work are you actually going to do? How productive are you? Because you you are not just who you are today, but you are yourself a week down the road, a month down the road. So can you be productive each and every day? It's not about just like, can I grind out 20 hours today? Yeah, sure. I can drink some energy drinks and coffee and work super hard today, but will I be productive tomorrow? Will I be productive the next day? And so I think that's where this time is money thing can become potentially, like you said, a double-edged sword. There's there's really important aspect to think like, okay, my time is valuable, but do I want to burn myself out because I've got to keep working to make all this money as quickly as possible? I think kind of something that both of you are really getting at here is that it's boiling you down to just your earning ability. Mm. And that's the holy grail mm-hmm. you know, of, of what you should be pursuing, your identity. I think we were just talking about this recently, that your identity becomes your, your job. Your identity is how much you can make that defines you. So 
I think that that in and of itself is just really sad. And anytime we start to find ourselves just making decisions for that sake is where we really need to take a step back and to say, is this really what I should be doing right now? Is this really what's best for me in the sustainable long run, to your point, Dylan? And is this going to burn me out or is this like actually an intentional move that, yes, I may be earning more. Yes, I may be growing in my career and that's awesome, but I am not going down that burnout. This is all that I am sort of route. Yeah. And I think there's there's a really powerful point in there about like about habit. Like obviously you guys have, have no shortage of words to be spoken on the on the topic of habit. Like I think it's it's deeply and intimately intertwined with this whole idea. And the habit that comes to mind in this context is like kind of a habit of harvest, so to speak. If you don't get in the habit of taking some payouts in terms of time right now, if you don't at least, you know, enjoy your life a bit, you know, give yourself a sustainable path and actually, you know, harvest, reap what you've sown type of thing, then how are you convincing yourself that someday, some year down the line, oh yeah, suddenly then I'll be comfortable like harvesting. Suddenly then I'll be comfortable like pulling out what I deposited before. You know, you see it all the time with people who get to the end of a long and lucrative, productive career and they don't freaking know how to spend money because they've only ever seen their accounts go one way. Now, you know, first world problems, like that's, you know, poor little rich boy type of thing. But like the reality is that can be a really tough psychological spot for people to get in. You get so ingrained, excuse me, ingrained in this habit of socking away, socking away, socking away, which is obviously, you know, has a lot of benefits to it. But if you don't permit yourself, if you don't give yourself license to actually enjoy the fruits of your labor at every point along the path and go on those hikes and spend time with your family and do those things that your life is, you know, all about, then what's the point? You know, you're like, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, thank you. Yeah. So Ben, what I feel like you're saying here is that when we think of the term of like time is money, it's about the quality of time that you're spending. It's not necessarily about every moment has to be productive and making money, but it's the choices of how you spend the time. Is it me sitting here scrolling through my phone? Mm -hmm. uh, that might not be a good use of time, but it's definitely not productive and making money, but it's also not enriching my life where maybe going on a hike is not going to make me money, but it's a valuable use of time because it might recharge my soul. It might be just you know, a great way to get exercise. It can be a lot of different things. Is that kind of what you're getting at here? Yeah, it's it's this, um, I'm a very kind of left brain type A person, at least historically. I've tried to balance that out through time, but jury's still out on how that's working. Like basically, I, I think there's a temptation, at least within my mind, to think of things like, well, if there's not a known payout for this minute of my life, for this dollar, for whatever it is, then what am I doing here? That seems wasteful. That seems like ill-conceived or that type of thing. But the reality is, to your point, if you're being intentional, to use an overused term, if you're being intentional about the way that you're using your time, then it really can yield different returns than just dollars. I see this all the time in business. Like there's way more ways to get paid than money, right? And so ultimately, you know, the, the unit of account at the end of the day is like, how's this factoring into the relationships, the human connections that I'm able to form, you know, the self-possession and wherewithal to actually, you know, be a good, uh, in my case, husband, father, son, play all these roles that I play in my life. Because ultimately, you know, you, you can't, um, it kind of doesn't matter. The rest of it doesn't matter if you're not, you know, building yourself up to be good at that, not only today, but tomorrow. 
Yeah. Well, and you said earlier, you know, poor little rich boy, kind of jokingly, but honestly, to me, yeah, poor little rich boy. Like, <laughs> sure, it's first world problems, but that's still really sad. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the toys in the world. It doesn't matter. But if you didn't get to actually, like, experience life and you just, like, really boiled yourself down to just your assets and how much you can make and how much you have, I do feel sorry for you. Mm -hmm. I really, really do. It's empty. Mm -hmm. It's just so empty. And we all very much know that. And we're very aware that it's a slippery slope. And yeah, to make sure that we are just making those intentional decisions. But also on the other side of it, while we're saying, yes, let's live intentionally, let's make sure that we're balancing that out. The other side of it and kind of the good side of viewing things as time is money is we're also pretty naturally lazy. And so that's where it can kind of go to the other side, too much convenience. And there's a price to pay for doing that, right? Where we're just, we're always taking the easy route. We think we're saving time because time is money, but then you're not replacing it with something that's actually adding value to your life. Mm -hmm. And you are just using it to doom scroll. You can kind of lean one way that's hyper productivity and you're boiling yourself down to just your income and how much money you have. And then the other side, we convince ourselves that we're using that time productively. So we start to buy more into convenience. But then we see, especially in our coaching, that people choose to pay for these conveniences in their life, but then they're not necessarily using that time to do anything that adds extra value to their life. So now they're just paying for the convenience, which is another big challenge that we see with people manage managing their money. Any thoughts on that? I think, I mean, I don't know what this harkens over to is like this whole notion of DIY. Like I've really struggled with that over the course of my intellectual history because I'm like this aw shucks Midwesterner where it's like, if I know how to do it, then I'm not paying somebody to do it. Like that just <laughs> seems wasteful. It was only very recently that I came to terms with the fact that it's that it's acceptable for me to fund time. So I think there's this very important distinction between finding time and funding time that is super important for people to understand, which is just like finding time is one thing. You know, but there are only 24 hours in the day. And so if you want to get something done, you know, if you've got a full calendar and your kid gets sick or that type of thing. It's like, okay, well, we're going to have to find time. That's just the way that my life is working right now. I'm going to have to sacrifice some of these other obligations in order to take care of this thing. That's, you know, top of mind. But funding time is one that I think that I think it can get short shrift, you know, particularly if you go like hard into the fire community, there's this strong vein of like, well, why would you do something like that? Why would you go and pay somebody to do that when you have this perfect opportunity to learn a new skill and to, you know, like save, save yourself some money and make yourself more useful and all this type of thing. And don't get me wrong. I still mow my own lawn, for example, even though it's probably the wrong decision for me. <laughs> There's probably a more productive, you know, usage of my time, seeing as I'm at the early stages of starting a business and, and that type of thing. But there are certain things that fall in one category and there are certain things that fall in the other. I, for example, with mowing my lawn, I justify it to myself like, well, I'm going to, I want to get some outside activity today anyways. And so I may as well get it doing something productive rather than paying somebody to do that. But, you know, were that not a value of mine, if I measured the productivity of my day solely in terms of dollars and cents, it'd be a horrible decision. If this company goes the way that it's looking like it's going, that would be just a horrible squandering of an hour that I could be using, you know, doing something that's moving the business forward. And so anyways, like many things in this realm of personal finance or life optimization or whatever you want to call it, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. You can be too stingy in the direction of like, I'm going to do everything for myself because I'm an able-bodied human and I can. 
And you can go way too far in the other direction where it's just like you fund your life away and sure, you might wind up profitable, but bereft of experiences that life is actually made of. And so it's, it's, it's tough to find that balance. I think that what's just really interesting to me about funding time and just what I see a lot with my clients is that they'll find themselves where they fund their time so much that all of a sudden they're working maybe even more so that they can keep paying for these conveniences. And it's like, well, whoa, that's where we really need to start to watch out that now you're not banking time. You are becoming a slave. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. And so that's where like lifestyle creep starts to come in and we can really start to talk about all those other things. But that was what really stood out to me about it. 100%. And I think you're exactly, exactly spot on there. And this is not like a hot off the press, you know, brand spank and new insight. Like this has been rattling around for a long time throughout the ages. So you think of like Emerson and Thoreau and those guys were hyper aware of the fact that like, dude, you guys are all doing this wrong. Why are you working so hard to get these fancy houses, which are going to require you to work harder and work harder? And by the way, the product of that work is that you're exhausted. You need to self-medicate. It's this cycle that people get wrapped up into where you consume to produce, to consume, to produce. And it's like, yeah. at some point, you got to get off that hamster wheel. It reminds me of the fisherman story. Yes. For those who are listening and they aren't familiar, it's the some guy is on vacation down in Mexico and he comes across a, a fisherman. It's early in the morning and he starts talking to him and the fisherman's wrapping up for the day and he's asking him, what's your life like? You know, like, what, what are you doing? You're already coming in early. He's like, yeah, I've caught the fish that I need for the day. I got some for my family and some for my friends. And this business guy starts telling him how if he starts to build up his business, he can eventually hire some people and then he could buy some more boats and his business can continue to grow and they could have a cannery. And he's spending all this time to eventually get back to the point where he could wake up really early in the morning, do a little fishing to get some fish for his friends and family, and then like enjoy the rest of his day, which is the life he already had. It just made me think of that. I love that you threw in a cannery, by the way. That's a detail that often gets left out. It's an important detail, and I'm not great at storytelling. I was doing my best. I hopefully I kept everybody there. <laughs> no, was, it was perfect. That's I came across that not too not too long ago, and it hits me different each time I hear that parable because I remember being in my first career, hearing that and being like, "That doesn't make any sense. You gotta save up, and you gotta go through the motions, and make sure that your family's secure." And like, yeah, there's a lot to that. Like, you don't want to be flying by the seat of your pants for your entire life. But if the whole freaking point is to be able to do what you're already doing, then you darn well better enjoy it. Yeah. And it really circles back, I think, to what you were saying earlier, Ben, about getting in the habit of harvesting. Mm -hmm. And we're big fans of taking it a gap year and mm -hmm. taking your time to enjoy the in-between parts in life and giving yourself permission to take those breaks and just enjoy your hard work a little bit. Because we can really overwork that side of our brain that gets good at delaying gratification. To your point, we call it broke rich people where, you know, I'm back to the poor little rich boy. You get so good at delaying that gratification and saving that money that all of a sudden you get to the other side of the rainbow. And yeah, you've got your pot of gold, but you don't even know how to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you're just still in this scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. And we see it all around the fire community for sure. I'm only promised right now. So I have to make sure that there's this balance here. Mm -hmm. But that brings also to mind the down the road cost that I think that people don't think about a lot. 
in addition to that, I can't enjoy it. But you did touch on it, Ben, a little bit about the necessity to self-medicate, to mm. keep those things going, to keep yourself in this cycle where, you know, you're you're not only sacrificing the time, but I think people need to also recognize that they're putting themselves down this path that leads to mental health issues, physical health issues, just being able to identify that, yeah, you might be doing better in one area, but it's literally pulling from other aspects of your life that need to be considered. I find this with myself. There are often these comeuppances that happen that's like, dude, you got to listen to yourself a little bit more, you know, because I, I, I feel like I was born without the gene for moderation in a lot of ways where it's like I go hard one way or if that's not it, then OK, cool, I'll do the opposite. It's just very hard to find middle ground. I find it very appealing to find these ideologies or these frameworks of mind that are extreme. I think it's, you know, life has nuance to it and it's it's tempting to get sucked into this kind of all or nothing mentality. But in reality, you know, it's it's almost always the case that uh, that you want to aim for the middle of the road rather than one of the ditches. That just brings us really, I think, nicely to money is time. And that's just the inverse of mostly what we've been talking about, which is how most people view it, right? Is time is money, productivity, convenience, all of these different things. We've talked about both sides of that kind of pros and cons. And like always, it's just all about balance. There's no like one specific thing for any individual. It's personal finances for a reason. But so we've really looked at that pretty well, I think. But when we flip the script and we say money is time, I want to dig deeper into what that is. And I know for me, I've, the way I view that is just that everything you, everything you purchase, it, it isn't bought with your money. It's bought with your time. We're all just selling our time. And that's the real exchange that's happening. And I know for me, that was what really shifted my mindset. And so then when you take that all into consideration and you start to say, okay, well, now how I'm going to manage my money based off how I'm making that money. Do I enjoy it? Do I not? Is it just a means to an end? Or is it maybe a little bit more of a passion or maybe find purpose in this work? It's my personal project, whatever. So how does that impact how somebody is going to manage their money in terms of money as time? For example, is this purchase or savings or investing, whatever it is, is that worth the amount of time that it takes for me to earn that amount? A lot of times that can be that can be tough for people to follow. Like uh, that is in like that can be tough for people to understand what that trade off even looks like, mm -hmm. because you've got your sticker price of your wage. So let's say, you know, you think you make 40 bucks an hour or that type of thing. And then the reality is, well, no, it's not $40 an hour because Uncle Sam needs to take his chomp. And then also, like, you've got this nice apartment that's right near your office. Maybe you wouldn't do that if you hadn't decided to take that job. And so Ultimately, like once you have the information, a lot of times the answers can drop right out because if you're making $40 an hour and then turns out it's actually you're netting like $25 an hour, that type of thing, you're thinking about going out to this steak dinner and you're going to pay $100 for it. Or, okay, well, that's costing you all afternoon. Now, that doesn't make it evil. That doesn't make it the wrong choice, but it does give you what it takes to inform yourself as to like, oh, okay, I'm making this decision eyes wide open. It's aligned with my values. I'm taking my grandma out to dinner for a nice steak dinner. And like, this is purely wholesome and aligned with my values and there's nothing wrong with it. You can own that decision without feeling what a lot of people feel. It's just like this 
low-grade anxiety every time a dollar leaves their wallet because they think like this caveman mentality of saving good, spending bad, and that's all that I need to know. And, and you know, there, there's, there's more to it than that. Is it worth working a whole afternoon to pay for a dinner with my grandmother? Like the answer is always going to be yes to something like that. But we can come up with a bunch of other examples that are just wasteful. Yeah, we got a good TV. Do I need to go buy a new TV just because I'd like to have a slightly bigger screen? That's mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy because that might take two afternoons or like a full day of work, you know? <laughs> so if you start thinking and breaking down the purchases, not just in, oh, that's going to be $500, but $500 takes this much time for me to earn. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, I'm thinking about my purchasing decisions in a much different manner as well. Mm -hmm. And it cuts both ways. Some things are way worth it. And some things are like, dude, are you kidding me? Now that you put it that way, no thank you. It's just knowledge is power. Yeah. And I think it all boils down to what I call money mindfulness and just that ability to mm especially once you start to flex this muscle and you really start to master understanding what your true hourly wage is and how you want to use your money in alignment with your values, then you get to make very just mindful, intentional decisions. You're a conscious consumer. You are starting to look at things more in terms of understanding how th that purchase isn't just a purchase. It's you committing your time and energy to that thing. And again, it's not that that's bad, but it's just a matter that you can do so knowingly. Right. Eyes wide open. Yeah. Well, another topic I know that we wanted to talk about was the savings rate. As you start to get better at savings, you start to buy back your time. But also, as you get better at savings, it takes less time to save what you need. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I, if I only save 10% of my income, I'm gonna, it's going to take me nine years to save up a year's worth of income. But if I turn that into 20, 30%. I don't, I can get to saving a year's worth of income faster. I also don't have to save as much money because I'm living off of say 70% of my income instead of 90%. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you see that playing into the terms of time is money, Ben? It's deeply entangled with habit, you know, because like what you just mentioned, for example, of this, like if you're saving 10% of your income, then okay, well, that's going to take you nine years to get up to that 90%. Like that, that's what you're spending, that type of thing. But there's kind of a, a there's kind of an assumption that can get smuggled in there for a lot of people that goes like, oh, OK, so then all I got to do is just do this for nine years. Nobody freaking does anything for nine years unless it's paying them all along, like unless it is um, sustainable and, and orchestrated in a way that they're getting rewarded for it at every point along the way. That's just not the way that humans work. You know, try and idealize yourself all you want, but like trying to implement behavior change for nine years with no payout, good luck, not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And so the idea here, like the way I see this, is kind of this, this alchemy that happens when you reframe things in terms of time, which is, for example, let's take like a behavior change type of habit. You know, like let's say you start doing meal prep and you decide like, okay, well, instead of getting a fancy sandwich at the office, I'm going to you know prep all my meals on Sunday. It's gonna be healthier, it's gonna cost me less. And at the end of the month, say you've saved 200 bucks as a result of diligently doing your meal prep. People kind of have a tendency to stop there. And there's this paradox of personal finance where if you start making progress toward your goals, you get to a point where, you know, in that same month, say your portfolio is up or down by 10 grand and you just saved 200 bucks. And you're like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I deprive myself, et cetera? But the reality is when you zoom out, when you look at it properly with like time as your arbiter, then you're looking at things and you're going, okay, this $200 is not just 
that's $200 a month. So that's $2,400 a year or equivalently, that's $60,000 that you'd have to have invested at 4% real after taxes to endow that habit in perpetuity. So now this comparison of like $200 versus 10K is now 60K versus 10K. And then people's eyes sort of open up and go like, oh, I get it. There's this double whammy that happens with respect to savings when you look in terms of time. Because you're going, okay, it's not just the fact that I'm running a little bit faster on my you know, road to financial independence, as it were, but it's like the finish line is coming closer to you at the same time because you just don't need to save as much to sustain that habit indefinitely. And so when you look at it in terms of time, it drops right out, takes it out of the this like dollars and cents nitty gritty type of thing and turns it into something that's that's holistic, that contains all the variables that you need in order to communicate the actual message that, which is that ultimately bottom line behavior is freaking important and it gets short shrift. I think in the, you know, like there's so much digital ink spilled on investment and there's so much digital ink spilled on like right-sizing your budgeting categories. But if you can't figure out what all these things actually mean in terms of like, what should I do today? It's kind of moot. I really love the, the illustration that you made there just with the launch too, because it's just how quickly $200 doesn't seem like anything mm -hmm. compared to the 10,000 fluctuation. But all of a sudden over the course of 20, 30 years, that's, that becomes a significant number. It's huge. And I, I really think too, at the same time, you have to ask yourself, what, what are those things that you're willing to, to give up? And what are the things that really bring you joy? Because in this time is money argument too, I can... Again, we, we kind of are going back to the fire movement, but it's like, how can I shrink that number down to what yes. I live off of every year as small as possible? But like, if you really enjoy something, the lunch at work makes you feel awesome. And then you should probably keep the lunch and maybe it's something else. Like the lunch isn't for you, but maybe it's, maybe it's going out and getting a glass of wine after work. Maybe you, you just trade that for like the bottle of wine at home, but you find those things that you really enjoy and you're non-negotiable. But there are some things in your, your life that are going to be negotiable that really grows over the lifespan of your financial journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just have to be able to make those decisions for yourself. And that's why we love Chronify. That's why we love what you're doing is because it really helps people to be able to take this really conceptual thing and turn it into something that can actually see how I can use that in my life, how I can get that time back. And you can start to see how these trade-offs really work in real time. And that's the thing is like, it gets back to that caveman mentality of like saving good, spending bad. It's about figuring out what actually matters to you and what you're willing to dispense with. You know, I think about this oftentimes in like a business context as well. Before I started a business, like whenever I would read a book about like negotiation or something, it always kind of fell flat with me. You know, there's, there's a hundred dollars here and they're arguing over who gets 51. Like, this just seems super clear. Like, there's this is a zero-sum game type of thing. But the reality is, like, life has so much more texture to it than that. It's not just that it's like, okay, well, I'm opting into this, and so, therefore, I have to opt out of this thing that's equally good. No, you can figure out for yourself what is valuable, and you can safely dispense with the other stuff. I think it's, it's really important for people to understand that there's not this one-size-fits-all. People can come up with their own values. And then if they perceive, you know, those values in the right way, a lot of times the answers just drop right out. Yeah. And that's really what we do a lot with our clients as well. But like I said, Chronify is just a great way to really put that visual to it. And we just really love what you're doing there. Tell us a little bit about Chronify. Sure. So, I mean, I guess 
backstory, I, I started to solve my own problem, which is the fact that I was at a job that I didn't want to do forever. And I was trying to figure out when can I afford to do what I actually want to do with my life. Again, to your point about choosing your vacations versus choosing the where you live, you know, like I could have chosen a paycheck and instead I decided that I wanted to choose the way that I wanted to raise my family, which had a little bit more wide open spaces to it and stuff like that. And so that was very important to me, but like you also, you know, it's about trade-offs. It's about figuring out like, okay, that sounds great. You know, you want to go and give your kids the right upbringing. You want to go. And in my case, I wanted to do work that was for me more fulfilling and stuff like that. But the reality is like, nobody benefits if you forsake your children's financial future so that daddy can have a job that puts a smile on his face, right? I felt like I needed to dot my I's and cross my T's and make sure like that I was making this decision eyes wide open and knowing the real trade-offs. And so what I built it to do was to do all that, to take this like unwieldy spreadsheet that I had built for my financial life and turn it into something that's like no fuss, no muss, you know, 10 minutes, twice a month. And I can finances in their place and get back to living my freaking life because that's what most people want to do they don't want to sit there like diving into a spreadsheet uh, for three hours on saturday morning well i do but i'm weird like basically it's it's like most people that's not what they want out of their saturdays and so for me you know like what i built it to do is just just simplify things boil it all down to what do you actually need to know and then leave the machine to run and, and do its thing and just check in every so often and know that you're on track and that you have the tools at your disposal if you want them in order to evaluate your decisions, in order to see, oh, should I rent or should I buy? How much runway do I have if I'm thinking of going and starting a business? There are a bunch of sub modules and things like that that you can use it for. But honestly, the main thrust is just boil it all down to here's what my actual financial health looks like. Here's how I should feel about my finances. Should I feel confident? A lot of times that's a surprise for people. They'll jump in and they'll go like, oh man, I didn't realize I had three years in the bank. Maybe I shouldn't feel so fragile. Maybe I shouldn't feel so trapped in my current career. And then sometimes it's a wake up call. You know, sometimes people can toss in their numbers and go like, oh wow, I've been using this other budgeting software. I didn't realize when I actually look at where all the money's going, the number's a lot bigger than I thought it was. That can be eye-opening for folks. And so it's it's really just whatever the whatever the supposed problem is, whatever the, you know, the un, the misunderstood part of financial life, we're just making it simple. We're going like, okay, what does this actually mean in terms of the years of your life? And then dynamically tracking that through time. So people can tease out where the progress is coming from. And so back to that example where someone is changing their behavior while the markets are moving, which is basically always true for everybody at mm -hmm. all times. You're changing your behavior and the markets are moving. And so that can be bewildering. But if you're able to break out over the past couple of weeks, I've gotten six months closer to retirement. What's that coming from? And you're able to see like, oh, okay, four months of that is coming from my beneficial behavior changes. You know, pat myself on the back. Nice job. I did a good job. Two months of that is coming from the markets. Okay. That's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but I've got no control over that. Mm -hmm. And so I should treat it at arm's length. Basically, we're just trying to give people more, more ownership and more empowerment around what are the actual impacts that my decisions are making on my money so that they can make disciplined decisions and, and continue to proceed forward. Yeah. You know that I love that. One of my favorite things is control what you can control. And I think that's really what is the essence of what you're saying there is what am I doing today that's going to impact my tomorrow, whether good or bad? 
And there's just there's just so many benefits to Chronify. So we just really love what you're doing, Ben. And yeah, keep up the good work. Ben, if people want to learn more about Chronify, they want to hear more about what you're up to, how are some ways that people can get in contact with you, learn more about Chronify and so on? It's pretty simple. I am not by any stretch of the imagination a social media maven. And so you can find the product at www.chronify.com. And I hang out on LinkedIn and basically nowhere else. But if anybody wants to reach out to me, I love speaking with people. Like, honestly, the whole reason I started this company is to reallocate human capital to its highest and best use. Like, whether I like it or not, my head just lives in the space of like, how can we take people's time and talents and turn them into something meaningful? And so if that's where your head is, reach out. I'd love to chat. Awesome. And we'll just drop the links into the show notes. But thanks so much for your time, Ben. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we appreciate you listening. If you want to help support this podcast, please like and share this with somebody that you think would appreciate it. Of course, there are other ways to support this podcast by working with us. One of the ways that you can work with us is taking our budgeting and cash flow course where we're going to walk through step-by-step how to build a budget. We take out all the thinking and it's super easy to put together. Plus, you'll be really efficient and be able to make financial decisions in a snap. The other way is, of course, to work with us. We would love to coach you through your journey to financial freedom. We've done this ourselves. We've done this for so many clients now, and we'd love for you to be one of them. So schedule a discovery call using the link down in the show notes, and we look forward to meeting you and helping you reach your financial goals. So until the next episode, I'm Dylan Pollock. And I'm Rebecca Brooks. And we're we're Rad Rad Coaches. Coaches.